recording on a Saturday to bring you a podcast on a Sunday. What alternate universe are we currently living in right now? One where we just watched a very ridiculous game and I felt it was very apropos to hop on here and discuss it with you all. So, welcome everybody to a, I guess, a special reaction episode of Locked On Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Sunday, January 19th. At the time of this is going up, right now it's January 18th. I haven't really decided because it's probably going to go up by the time it is the 19th. I don't know, but I digress. In any event, welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nations, Nights on Ice, and columnist for Gaming Today here in Las Vegas. And we have a wackadoo of a game to discuss tonight. But before we do, usual housekeeping items out of the way. If this is the first time you are listening to this podcast, I do welcome you. We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you consume your podcasting. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On VGK. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Webster 21 Or if you like emails, you can send an email as I just hit the microphone to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So, this game was a bit of a, uh, looking for the word here, a bit deflating if you're a Golden Knights fan, to fall down 3 nothing in the fashion that the Golden Knights fell down 3 nothing, to fight back in the second period to make it 3-2, to two, to give up that goal in the third period to make it 4-2, to two, only to fight back to score two more times, to send it into overtime, and have your Hall of Fame goaltender make two incredible saves to preserve the chance to win the game in the shootout and to lose in the shootout to the man you traded to Montreal in order to get the man you have as an all-star in the year 2020, the year of our Lord. That was a weird game. And if you followed me throughout that entire game, or throughout that entire synopsis, good on you. The Vegas Golden Knights are no longer undefeated in the Peter DeBoer era. However, they are riding a two-game point streak in the Peter DeBoer era, a 5-4 to four loss to the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night at Bell Center. Now, again, this is a game where really it should not have fallen down 3 nothing the way that it did. Uh, two defensive, huge defensive miscues on the hands of the Golden Knights in the first two goals of the game. The first goal scored by Nick Cousins, who definitely took advantage of a lapse in judgment on the on the uh, Golden Knights defense when you have three people going toward the trapezoid to trap literally one player, leaving Cousins all alone to take his time. Patience, patience, patience. And he barely scrapes the goal past Flurry to put Montreal up one nothing, And then Ilya Kovalchuk, who is red hot right now since he signed with Montreal back on January 3rd. By the way, I don't think it's been said enough. Ilya Kovalchuk signed a two-way deal with the Montreal Canadiens, and he is at a point per game. That is absolutely ridiculous. Why didn't any other team, hint, hint, maybe Golden Knights, Think about adding this guy. I'm just saying the Boston Bruins are probably kicking themselves in the ass at this current juncture as well. But Ilya Kovalchuk on a second chance rebound beat Marc-Andre Fleury to put the Canadians up to nothing. 
And then with a little help from Shea Theodore Stick, uh, Joel Armia put the Canadians up 3-0 at the end of the first period. Three goals on nine shots allowed by Marc-Andre Fleury. Technically, the ledger will read given up by Marc-Andre Fleury, but in the end, it really should not have been. Second period, a completely different story. Golden Knights get aggressive on the forecheck. They start crashing the net, and good things happen when you crash the net because that's really the only way you're going to defeat Carey Price. And it started with Jonathan Marchessault off a great feed from Riley Smith uh, to score his 16th goal of the year to make it 3-1. to one. And then Paul Stasny on a couple of uh, chances in front beats Carey Price after the second or third initial chance to make it 3-2, to two, heading into the third period. Golden Knights have all the momentum at this current juncture. Everything is going smoothly. Until Tomas Nosek, God bless him, decides to chip the puck in an attempt to get the puck to Brady McNabb. Goes a little too hard on the on the uh, poke check. Springs a two-on-one the other way for the Canadians, and Nick Cousins scores his second goal of the game to make it 4-2. to two. All momentum seemingly gone by the Golden Knights. Going to be an emphatic thud of a loss in Montreal. Until something, I don't know what happened in the final two minutes of this game, but for some ungodly reason, the Golden Knights found a way to somehow squeeze a point out of this game. Max Pacioretty scores with 1.58 to go. After they pulled Marc-Andre Fleury, they got the extra attacker. Pacioretty scored to make it 4-3, his first goal against his former team. And then with 8.2 seconds left, Riley Smith on the deflection from Paul Stasny at the right circle to score with less than 10 seconds left to tie it at four and somehow give the Golden Knights a chance to win this game. And for the first three minutes, three and a half minutes of overtime, it did not look like that. It looked like the Golden Knights of old were rearing its ugly head, especially in the overtime frame. The Canadians held possession of the puck. They rarely gave Vegas a chance to do anything at three on three. And then, it was all up to Marc-Andre Fleury to make some miraculous saves to keep this game tied. One of them on a virtual 2-on-0 stopped Ben Sherratt going from right to left and made a spectacular save. And then when you thought it couldn't get any better, Ilya Kolachuk walking in from the right side and Fleury goes double pad stack to make it a or to keep it a 4-4 game. Vegas had a chance, a couple chances at the end to score. Shea Theodore had a chance to go wide, but Vegas really couldn't get anything at three on three. So he went to a shootout. Uh, Kovalchuk scored to get the monster on the board. Marshall responded to make it 1 1. Uh, Tuck missed one. Uh, Theodore missed one. And then Tomas Tatar. Tomas Tatar. I'm going get to that, get that guy on an audio. Uh, I, I will definitely work on that. Uh, with a beautiful move where he was going to go glove side, faked out Flurry, went to his stick, and roofed it over Flurry. And Flurry said afterwards he knew Tatar was going glove side, and that was a great individual play by Tatar. Riley Smith uh, skates in very, very hard on Carey Price to try and extend the game, but he's denied by the pad, and the game is over. The Golden Knights lose 5-4 to four in a shootout against the Canadians, their first loss in a shootout this year. 
But through two games in the Peter DeBoer era, they have amassed three points, which if you were to ask me a couple days ago if you thought that they would be able to even squeeze out three points in this fashion, I'd probably have a hard time believing you. The fact that Vegas was able to storm back in the final two minutes of regulation, tie that game, really didn't have anything going on three on three, and still had a chance to win that game, I think is really, really remarkable. And in fact, it, it goes without saying, their head coach was very happy with that result. Yeah, I thought we showed a lot of character. Um, you know, that's a big hole anywhere, um, particularly in this building. So, you know, I thought it didn't rattle us. I actually thought at the end of the first, you know, they earned their goals. We had some opportunities we didn't execute on. We could have had a couple too. Um, so but that's a big deficit. We didn't we didn't quit. We uh, we got to work and scratched out a point, uh, an important point. It seemed like from the second period onward, you guys were the better team. I guess what was the difference between the first period and the rest of the game? Um, well, I mean, obviously when you're in that hole, you you, you get a little more desperate. But you know, I, I, like I said, the first period, I just thought it was our execution. I thought we had some good looks. I thought. Um, you know they stuck theirs in the net we didn't uh, you know I'm not sure we deserved to be down three nothing after the first but uh, we were and the good news is we handled that adversity the right way by the way it's still weird to even call Peter DeBoer the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights it's been two games I don't think it's gonna get I don't think it's gonna be any bit unawkward until we get to the very first home game that DeBoer coaches at T-Mobile Arena on February 8th still plenty of time for that uh, but again, need, really need to touch on this, really need to harp on this. The Golden Knights played horribly for sec. It, it wasn't really the entire first period. They had a good first period. They got a couple good shots on price. They were, they were getting in the, in the crease. They were getting in the danger areas. They were trying to make life difficult on price. It was just a couple of mistakes here and there, especially two baffling mistakes on defense that led to Montreal gaining those goals, uh, the, at least the first two. Um, that, that's a whole other situation that has been a problem even under Gerard Gallant for the last you know few weeks. And now under DeBoer, it seems like it is also another problem that the defensive breakdowns in front of Fleury, even in this zone coverage scheme that they've implemented, really isn't helping Flurry in front when he's having to face these grade A chances as against, you know, Nick Cousins for one, but again, a guy as hot as Kovalchuk for him to score that goal and forget two chances on Flurry, not not a good look. So it is what it is. But even after all that, Jonathan Marshall was very happy with how his team played in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean we uh we battled back. Uh first period was not the uh... Not necessarily what we wanted, but I mean, they kind of cash in on their opportunities, and uh, overall, it wasn't it wasn't a bad period. And uh, second and third, we were really good, I thought. So uh, we battled back. We went to get a big point, and I mean, uh, it was uh, it was not a bad game overall. Now, I want you guys to think back. I'm talking about think back a couple of months ago when the sky was seemingly falling for Vegas, and I went on the huge. There was a huge uh, four-game road trip that they had after the Montreal-Winnipeg games at the end of October and in November where I looked at that Montreal game and I looked at that Winnipeg game and I said, those are games that they needed to win. 
And really, these last four games against Montreal are games that Vegas should have won. You figure two of those games, Vegas was up by at least two goals in the third period. Montreal came back to score twice in the third period in Halloween to eventually win in overtime. And then you think back to last year in Montreal that a 4-2 lead, Montreal scored three unanswered to beat Vegas 5-4. You even recall the game later on that year, last season, in Vegas. Vegas had a 3-2 lead with 30 seconds to go. And then Philip Deneau just decided, hey, I'm going to score a hat trick, and then they're going to win in overtime. Vegas has played well against Montreal for four games. The problem is, is that the mistakes have cost them one too many times. And fortunately, the Canadians are not in the Pacific Division because since Max Pacioretty was traded to Vegas, the Canadians have really had the Golden Knights number, so to speak. So the fact that they were able to get a point out of that whole stretch, I think is remarkable. But really, it's something that kind of makes you think, how many times is Vegas going to need to bust out of this hole? Even before the last few games in the Gallant era, Vegas had to climb out of these holes. They had the the 3-0 deficit against uh, St. Louis, the one that they eventually won. Then they fell behind, I what was it? They fell behind 3-0 against Pittsburgh. And then they fell behind 4-0 against Los Angeles. And they scored twice in hopes of actually getting back into that game against LA. But really, three of those games right there, they've had to dig away out of the hole. And there was and you can even look to the Buffalo game where Vegas eventually tied it up, uh, only for Buffalo to eventually win the game in the third period. So too much too often in these last couple of weeks, the Golden Knights have had to find their find a way to dig themselves out of these holes. And really, until there is some sort of fix that you that Vegas can point to and say, that's what we need to fix. That's going to be an ongoing problem. The reason why that's going to be an ongoing problem is is because between now and February 24th, 25th, whatever the day it is at the trade deadline, the Golden Knights are going to need to address the blue line. That that is, without question, they are going to need to address the blue line. What can they do and who can they give up to address that is the big question. Um, Because... I'm trying my best at this point to look at the defense pairings that are on the ice every night at this moment, and I'm not seeing anything that sticks. Peter DeBoer, by the time he gets back from the All-Star break, it might be time to switch some D pairs up. It might be time. Nate Schmidt, I've been trying my damnedest to defend Nate Schmidt for the last number of weeks. The last few weeks has not been good for Nate Schmidt. He had a good game against Ottawa. But again, as I've said before, it's Ottawa. It's one game. Schmidt should not have allowed that second goal to Kovalchuk. Him and Brady McNabb. 
It was, that was a completely terrible effort on their part. That that they could not get a body on Kovalchuk, draw a penalty, lay a lay a shoulder, do something that's going to prevent Kovalchuk from getting two easy chances at flurry in front of the net. And too often over the last few weeks, Nate Schmidt has been really he's been flat footed, he's been caught off guard, he doesn't look the same. I mean, God help me, there are people that are going to throw steroid jokes, and I really don't want people to come to that conclusion. But really, it is what it is. Nate Schmidt has not been good the last number of weeks. And maybe he's one of these guys that could benefit from the All-Star break, a chance to kind of unwind, relax, and kind of just take a step back and reassess himself in these final 29 games after the All-Star break. Maybe that is what he needs. Braden McNabb has not been good either. Uh, Someone who has been a stalwart, someone who we've complimented doing the little things right in a game, in in crucial situations where if you need a defensive play, he is the one to make it. Other Other times again this year where he's just not looked the same, and that's been a huge problem. Derek Englund has not been a factor, and he hasn't been a factor for most of this season, and that's kind of been a problem. Uh, Nick Haig is going through the rookie phase of, you know, one good game here, a couple bad moments here, and it overshadows his entire game. Uh, that first goal that was allowed at Cousins really was another instance where he maybe shouldn't have gone toward the trapezoid. He probably should have stayed back and tried to disrupt Cousins, which he didn't. You're going to get that with Nick Haig. Again, he's 20, 21 years old. It's not like he's going to get it overnight. So you deal with those growing pains. We knew that going in. Shea Theodore, without question, the best defenseman on this team. It is it is law. It is written. It is what it is. And at some point, Theodore will need to be elevated up to a top-pairing status at this point, where he's playing the 22, 23 minutes a night. Uh, instead of Nick Holden, who, God bless Nick Holden, he is doing his hardest out there. He's not a difference maker. John Merrill, we have not seen since Merrill was playing fourth line forward. The fact that he hasn't played in a while shows not only, well, now Peter DeBoer, but shows the management, upper management really, that they don't really have much thought of John Merrill. So all of that being said, the Golden Knights are going to need to address the blue line at the deadline. I don't know who is available at this point. I don't know who are the names that Vegas could even target, what they could even give up. I don't know if you can make an impact for like a high-end defenseman because that is really what Vegas is going to need. They're going to need another guy that's going to fit DeBoer's system. And that, and that, that's, that's the way, and I kind of touched on it the other day when we're talking about how Vegas needs to add another defenseman. And I even kind of touched on it, yes, uh, well, I think it was yesterday when I mentioned it. Now that the system is going to be a little bit different, we're going to see how DeBoer has his imprint on this team. And it's going to, and to his liking, it is going to look like the Sharks in, in retrospect. Um, with that being said, he's going to need guys who can bring up the puck from the blue line and make a play or two. 
outside of Theodore and even Schmidt when he gets in when he gets involved there's not really anybody on that blue line that's ready to take that kind of a leap and even Nick Haig isn't someone that can, you, that you can rely on to bring the puck up from one end to the other and initiate some offense he's not there yet so you're kind of in this little conundrum of okay, we have to make do with what we've got, but it's not really enough. And then you need guys who will not commit so many mistakes in the defensive zone that's going to cost Flurry or Subban, whoever's in net that night. And it's really a conundrum that you've got to deal with. Flurry needs help. Flurry needs help in front of him. A lot of the goals that he's given up in these starts that he's had have not been his fault. I, I I can probably go back and I'm and probably not even count the the Colorado game because that one was just whew, that one was bad. But if you look, I, I'd probably have to go back myself and count over his last what seven eight starts really. I can find maybe seventy five to eighty percent of the goals that are not Mark Andre Fleury's fault. And if you can find a number that high maybe even a little bit higher, maybe 85%, then I think that's pretty good. A lot of it isn't his fault. And that's that's unfortunate given how the stats look to him. His GAA is high. His record's not where he wants it to be. His save percentage is you know, hovering between 905 and 910. Obviously, that's not where you want that to be. But a lot of the goals that have been given up, and especially the two, the first two tonight, and really the the fourth goal too, the Cousins goal that put him up four two, not his fault either, because there, there's only so much you can do by giving up a two on one, and then Flurry the the only thing he can do is hope to make the save, and nine times out of ten when you're in that situation, you can't unless you're in three on three and you somehow make two miraculous saves that are going to be on highlight reels for this season. But Flurry needs help in the defensive end. Um, the Golden Knights need to get better in the blue line because the, for as for as great of an effort as Vegas had tonight, being able to storm back, score twice in less than two minutes to tie the game and to somehow squeeze a point out of a team that has had your number now for the last two years, they can't keep doing this to themselves. They can't keep falling behind 2 nothing, 3 nothing, 4 nothing. They can't. That's going to cost them. You know, it's not going to happen every night where they're going to get, like in Ottawa, where they're going to score 34 seconds in and all of a sudden they've got all the momentum. It's not going to work that way for the rest of the season. And when you get into the playoffs, if you cannot... Contain, if you cannot contain, if you get into the playoffs, if the Golden Knights get into the playoffs and say they face, you know, a Vancouver, an Arizona, uh, an Edmonton, you can't let those top end guys beat you like that on a defense that looks a lot like Swiss cheese right now. You cannot have that. And if you do have that, then that's going to be one major problem and it's going to be another first round exit. It's going to be another first round exit and then fans and pundits alike are going to be up in arms about how this team should have finished a whole lot better than it did 
but had to rely on the talent that it was already around it. So considering the fact that I've already stated that with Peter DeBoer, no matter how unjust these expectations are of him in these final 30 games, the fact of the matter is this, is that now with DeBoer in here, it is on Kelly McCrimmon to put the right pieces for DeBoer for him to succeed. Because asking, again, asking a coach to come in with these current players, who, yeah, he's seen a lot of in the last couple of years, but for him to come in and have them adjust to a new system, have them adjust to his style of play in the span of 30 games and thinking that is going to be the reason why the Golden Knights turn this around, it doesn't work that way. So now it's on Kelly McCrimmon. He's made the decision to get a new coach. Now he's got to make the necessary moves to get the right pieces into this roster that will get the Golden Knights enough depth in the right areas and enough pieces in the correct areas to make a deep playoff run. And that that in itself is going to be the difference maker. So now, it, between now and what, they got a month? Um, they've got to make some moves. A move or two. It, it's going to come down to... Who can they get at the deadline? Who can they afford at the deadline? And really, they're, they're going to have to be buyers again, extreme buyers for the third year in a row. Because right now, now that you made a coaching change and you hope to make the playoffs, you can't take this current crop with you. So there is going to need to be a move to be made. And if you really think that Peter DeBoer is the guy, you better hope that the roster you've assembled is good enough to make some sort of run. Just saying. All right. So normally we would do a look around the league. Not going to tonight since this is mainly a bonus episode. But I will say um, if you are a fan of chaos, um, the Pacific Division is for you. I made the I made the uh, claim earlier today that if the Golden Knights won and the Sharks beat the Canucks, uh, the Golden Knights would be going into the All-Star break sole possession of first place in the Pacific Division. That technically is still in play, but they would have to beat the Boston Bruins on Tuesday, which we will preview that game on Tuesday. Monday, we'll figure something out uh, to talk in that sense. Um, but the Pacific Division, uh, yeah, uh, there is a, a four-way tie for second place. The Vancouver Canucks are your lone top team in the Pacific Division with 49 games in. They have 58 points. They have two games in hand on the wild card holding Golden Knights and Coyotes. Uh, if the playoffs were to start today, by the way, uh, it would be Vancouver and Vegas in the first round. So, yeah, I'm kind of here for that. Um the Pacific Division is going to be ridiculous the rest of the way. There's really no other way around it. Um, foolish of me to think that the Sharks actually had a chance in this game. They had 10 shots. This is how crazy this game was. The Canucks went up 2 to nothing. By the time the Canucks went up 2 nothing in the third period, the Sharks had 10 shots on goal. I tweeted out a graphic of the shots on goal discrepancy. The Sharks immediately scored on their 11th shot of the game to cut it to 2-1, to one, and then 34 seconds later, the Canucks scored again to make it 3-1, to one, eventually tacked on another one 
to make it four. Yeah, we're we're done. We're officially done talking about the Sharks this year. <laughs> there is there is absolutely no hope for this team. We we're officially done. We are officially done with the Sharks this year. I've already laid my claims about them and how bad management handled this offseason. It is what it is, and now they have to suffer. Um, But the Pacific Division, the top five, it is going to be one hell of a race going forward in these final 30-some-odd games. You have Vancouver at 58 points, and then Edmonton, Calgary, Vegas, Arizona, all with 57. Here's the crazy part. The Winnipeg Jets have 54 points. They are the fourth place team in the Central, which means at this moment, there would be five teams from the Pacific Division in the playoffs. For all the talk that we've given about the Central Division being the cream of the crop in the Western Conference, and you know what? With St. Louis and Colorado and even Dallas when they, well, minus tonight because Dallas gave up seven goals against Minnesota. Holy hell. Um, Even with St. Even with St. Louis and Colorado, that's still your your cream of the crop in the Western Conference. That's that's not even a debate. But to see here that we have five teams in the Pacific Division that could be in the playoffs if it were to start today, that is remarkably, ridiculously hilarious. So I am here for these last 30 or so games in the Pacific Division, because it is going to be one giant cluster for the better part of the second half of the season. And I am here for it. And I hope you will join me for the ride. So that is going to do it for our bonus episode of Locked on Golden Knights, guys. Uh, again, didn't really plan on doing it. Uh, when they were down 4-2, I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get on here and talk about this game tonight. And then Max Pacioretty and Riley Smith said, eh, Danny, go ahead. Go ahead. Just do what you got to do. Talk about this game. Whether we win or whether we lose, it'll be fun to talk about. No, we got up to like 30 minutes or something. So it is what it is. So Monday, now that we've kind of talked about this game as a bonus episode, um, yeah, uh, we don't really have anything exciting yet to talk about on Monday. Uh, We will find out what to talk about on Monday. And uh, hope you will join me for that. So thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, I am Danny Webster. It's been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And we will officially see you Monday. And happy birthday, Mom. Have a good one.